Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. One, two, three. Hunt and Hill. Hunt Palmer, Jeremy Hill. Holding down the middle of the day. Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge studio, it's Hunt and Hill. Now on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Out on the open field, Tuesday edition, Hunt and Hill. That's not Tuesday, it's Monday. I don't know why I just said Tuesday. <laughs> I skipped a day. Yeah. It's Monday. You're probably well aware of that. We appreciate you hanging out with us here on Hunt and Hill, hour number two. Just Jeremy and I chopping it up here. Uh, no guests here on a Monday. We'll have some tomorrow for you. But just reacting to the weekend that was, and certainly a big weekend in the NBA. Um, kind of recap what we saw and look forward a little bit. But uh, as we look to... Um, so look to the Sixers and Heat series. I proclaimed that thing over. Thought it was going to be a sweep when we left on Friday. Uh, I had seen enough. Obviously, after we were done with the show, they announced that Embiid was going to come back and play. Uh, he did. Had a double-double in his return. And then last night, James Harden just goes nuts in Game 4. And that's a guy that I've been pretty vocal in saying that he's got nothing left in the tank. Um, and I still think that James Harden has very little left in the tank in terms of his ability to attack. He just made a bunch of shots last night. He made a bunch of threes, was hitting the step backs. He was taking those shots. Previously, he just wasn't making any of them. He still doesn't drive very well, can't get by anybody on the blowout like he could, but he did make some shots. And with Embiid playing in the pick and roll, it makes him a little bit more dangerous. You have to honor things a little differently defensively. So the Sixers still, I think, um, have significant flaws, and I think the Heat will will win this series. But they did their job over the weekend, that's for sure. Did it surprise you? Yeah. Uh, to me, I mean, I, I think for me, if you got to get a healthy Joel Embiid, I, I just don't think the Heat have an answer for him right now. And it, it creates so many issues for them because they constantly have to dig out the post. They're constantly having to help on him. And it's creating cut lanes. It's creating open shooters. And and to me, they gave the Sixers a world of confidence. Now Maxie's going a little bit. Tobias is going a little bit. And now it's going to take, you know, Jimmy Butler and Bam to really, really play at a, at a high level. Um, going back to Miami because if they mess up and slip around and, and don't win game five, um, it's not going to be good for them. So I think to me, all the pressure's back on the heat. Um, they're going to have to really, really dig deep and, and play well because, you know, it's different playing the Sixers teams with Allen Bead. Now you got that seven foot monster down there and they don't really have an answer for him. Bam out of Bayou, 6'8, 6'9. It's going to be tough. I want to see how the heat kind of, you know, try to massage that matchup. I saw a tweet that was like, look, because if you miss this, Nikola Jokic was named the, uh, the MVP of the NBA for the second year in a row, and somebody just tweeted out, look, y'all, Joel Embiid is too good at basketball to never win any awards. He never wins Defensive Player of the Year, hasn't won an MVP, just like always kind of slept on as far as the awards go, and everybody knows he's one of the best players in the league. And um, I I think you're right. that He's a lot to deal with, and that's certainly an issue, but um, I just think the Heat are a better team. And I just think as ball-dominant as Harden is, if he goes back to what he's been for a month and a half and just wasn't, for two hours last night, they're just not as good as the Heat. That's just what I'll stick to. But I do agree with you that the pressure is on Miami uh, coming up here in game uh, number five. So um, in the other series that we thought was over, uh, the Suns just whitewashed uh, the Mavs in in games one and two, and the Mavs come back. And I said, look, I think 
you know, I think the Mavs will get one. We just we think that uh, that um, at home they'll find a way, but they'll lose the other one. Well, uh, all of a sudden, Chris Paul goes out there and turns it over seven times in the first half of Game Three, and then last night, I think he just lost his mind. <laughs> he just uh, you can't. We went through this all LSU basketball season saying, please, Tari Eason, stop fouling. Like, you have to go to the bench if you foul. And just no one told Chris Paul, and he just kept reaching and then trying to draw that you know defensive foul in the backcourt where he initiated the contact. And then he's trying to get a rebound before the end of the first half. <laughs> I, I don't know what he was doing, but it was not very bright. And he fouls out, and the Mavs cr- cr- rolled from there. Yeah, and only when people foul out, you can only pick you know two or three of them that are just bonehead fouls, and that's exactly where Chris Paul found himself, especially you know kind of when he got in foul trouble in the first half and he picked up those four. But to me, uh, what I'm really noticing with this Phoenix Suns team is, is, and it's crazy that he's what in year 15, year 16, but they go as Chris Paul go. You know, they got Aiton out there, they got Booker out there, but you know when Chris Paul's really playing efficient basketball, his assist numbers are high, he's scoring it. Um, they're a really, really tough team to beat, and you saw the Mavericks kind of crack that code um, with Chris Paul, and then you know them, they had uber success after that. So um, this is another series where you know I, I, going into it, I thought the Mavs. This is the, the version of the Mavs that I thought I'd be seeing play. They're getting back to that brand of basketball, and now they're putting the, the pressures. The exact same thing happening in the Heat Sixer series. Uh, now the Mavs are putting a wall of pressure on the Suns to handle business at home. The Pels did that, and they responded beautifully, and they they advanced in that series with little trouble there at the end, and. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, but Chris Paul's been so good in these playoffs. And to to go back to the exact same thing, the same way I'm betting against James Harden doing that again, mm-hmm. I'm going to bet against Chris Paul making bonehead plays and having seven turnovers and fouling out. I just I think he comes back and, and responds and has a huge game. It's obvious the moment's not too big for him. Mm-hmm. The pressure hasn't gotten to him. He played a perfect game to eliminate the Pelicans and has that in the bag as well. I, I think that, that the, the Suns are going to be just fine and that Paul's going to show up. Yeah, I mean, to me, I thought this was going seven all the way. Um, I know they looked really dark and groomy for that uh, uh, for for that when they went down 0-2, but I, I thought you know, the Mavs match up well with them. Just to look at the matchup, the Mavs are playing five-out basketball, possession after possession, and they're forcing the help, and their shooters knock down shots at home. And so uh, I think going back, they weren't knocking down those shots in game one and game two. Um, if the Mavs can do that, they're going to put pressure on the Suns. It's going to be up to Chris Paul, I think, not Devin Booker, not Aiden. It's going to be up to Chris Paul to really lead that team, get going offensively and take care of the basketball um, assist-wise, and uh, that's going to give the Suns the best chance. Warriors went nuts, uh, just blew the doors off of Memphis, but the bigger story probably that John Morant hurt his knee. Uh, no disciplinary action for Jordan Poole to this point, but this is that kind of series. It's been chippy. There have been injuries. There have been flagrants. There have been ejections. There's been a lot in this series. What do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, Ja was not very happy with it. I think he tweeted out, uh, Jordan Poole broke the code. <laughs> Just, I think he was a uh, dirty <laughs> Little shot of Keith. Yeah. Keith yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, for the for the Grizzlies, that's a tough situation. I know they were playing really well during the regular season without Ja, but the playoffs is a whole different monster, especially when you're at Golden State and they have all that experience and that place gets to, the roof gets to blowing off of that place. So it's a very, very tough spot. You never want to see star players getting hurt, but I think for the Warriors, that's a, a recipe for success for them. Uh, no doubt uh, in that. So tonight's games, Boston and the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks lead that series two games to one. Um, you know, this is a chance, I think, for Jason Tatum to kind of announce himself as a superstar player. I'm just going to bet on Giannis, and that's who I'm going to lay my cash with if it's uh, if it's a one-point line tonight um, in Milwaukee. Bucks up 2-1. It's a must-win for the Celtics, you think? 
Uh, yeah, I would say so. I think for me, uh, just seeing Tatum in this series, he's not played as well as he played in the first round against the Nets. And a lot of people thought that was his coming out party, but that's why superstar status is so hard to, uh, you know, to attain because you got to do this round after round, game after game, series after series. And uh, for Tatum, he hasn't done that. And now, you know, they're down right now. So I think they got to get home court back. Oh, you don't want to be going back to Boston, you know, obviously, you know, down 3-1, and then now, you know, you got to beat the, you know, defending champs three times in a row. I just don't see that happening, even without Middleton in the lineup. So, for me, I'm going to be looking for Tatum to really show up big tonight because I think that's the kind of the boost that the Celtics needed for him this series to really have that big, you know, 25-point game. It's a, it's a star league, so that's the guys that we talk about. And we've talked about Embiid, Harden, Butler, I mean, Paul. I mean, that's just that's what we do. And then we bring up um, – bring up Giannis and Tatum here, but really the Celtics' strength is in the fact that they've got some depth and they're really good on defense. Um, and so maybe it, it doesn't all lie on Tatum, but you just got to use your team to slow down Giannis, and that's the way you can win it. But I still just think if, if Boston's going to have any chance, he's going to have to go nuts. That's just the yeah. way I see it. No, I think, yeah, you're right. It's a star-driven league, and I think for me, especially in these playoff situations, uh, you got your role players, and everyone knows what these role players are and what their job is to do, whether you're a defender, whether you're getting boards, whether you know, you're know you just a shooter. But those guys are kind of easier to take out of the game and game plan those guys out. Uh, the superstars are the wild cards. So the, the guys that, you know, even when they, when they have it going, it's nothing you can do to stop it. And so for me, uh, the Celtics are going to have to tap into that with Tatum and Brown. They're going to have to really, really play well um, for them to, you know, go into Milwaukee and try to find a way to win this basketball game. That game's at 6.30 at 9 o'clock tonight on TNT. Grizzlies at the Warriors. No jaw. I think this one gets out of hand pretty quickly. Vegas feels the same way. Ten and a half is the number. I'd lay it and say, hey, Warriors, go shoot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just... Yeah, look, that's, that's a bad so – look, it, it wasn't looking good for them. You know, just, you know, with John in the lineup, yeah. you know, in Golden State. But now, you know, you're taking your best player, most approved player of the year out of that lineup. And we saw what he, how, you know, he had 47 points in game two. And they, it took them all that just to win by, you know, four or five points. So without him in the lineup, it's going to be a really, really tough task for them to go to Golden State and win. May is Military Appreciation Month and 104.5 ESPN honoring those that have served or are currently serving, like James White, who served in the Navy for 12 years, and Brian Matthews, who dedicated 20 years to the United States Air Force this week of Military Appreciation Month, brought to you by All Outdoor Store. All Outdoor Store, now with a location in Port Allen next to Spillway Sports. We do have our Citizens Bank poll question of the day that is up. What would make this a successful season for LSU baseball? Would it be... Hosting a regional, winning a regional, advancing to Omaha, or winning a national champion? What's the lowest barometer of success for this team? We'll get you our answers here at the end of the show. When we come back, Jarvis Landry, he played with Jeremy. The Browns say that deal is dead. Is New Orleans the next logical fit for Juice? We'll talk about that next on Hunt Hill. Serving up the latest from the sports world, it's Hunt and Hill. Hunt and Hill, 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. All right. NFL offseason never stops. Schedule release coming up later this week. There is not a league in professional sports that does a better job of occupying the calendar than the NFL. They can find something that you can be interested in, watch, consume, talk about, 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All year long. And that's certainly the case right now as um, the draft is in the rearview mirror. Those contracts starting to roll out and teams now starting to figure out where they can address needs outside of the draft. And Jarvis Landry is probably looking for a new home. There are multiple reports uh, today on the Twitterverse that the door for Jarvis to go back to Cleveland has been closed, and he is looking for a new employer. Question for you is, I guess we'll start with Jarvis. Does it make sense for Jarvis to go to the New Orleans Saints? Uh, Yeah, I mean, to me, he'd be automatically a top three receiver automatically in that room. I think you could possibly put him in that slot and feel really good about what you have there with with Michael Thomas and Olave. Um, Yeah, so I, I would say that window is definitely open. Does it make sense for the Saints to go after Jarvis Landry? Yeah, I mean, to me, he's a five-time Pro Bowl. He's going to bring that veteran presence in your locker room. You got the receiver to take the top off the defense, and now you got two two guys who can carve people up underneath, and Michael Thomas and Jarvis. I still think uh, he's a very talented receiver. Obviously, last year dealing with injuries, not the most productive season um, he's had in his career. But I think you know, going to a new team, going to a new spot, getting a fresh start. And uh, obviously being healthy, I think that's going to go a long way for him. And I think, yeah, that could happen with the Saints. Is his game too similar to Michael Thomas's? No, I wouldn't say so. I think, you know, the you got to me it's about guys who can get open, and that's never going to go out of style. And if you can get open, score touchdowns, convert first downs, the more of those guys you can have, the better. And you got, the you know, obviously the rookie that's going to stretch the field. So, yeah, I think it, if there was a situation where you didn't have Olave in that receiving room, then I don't know if I would love it as much. But – you got a guy who can stretch the field, and now you got other guys who can get open. I, I, I like that. Okay, I tossed all that to you. I don't disagree with really much of what you said. Um, if the Saints signed Jarvis Landry, they would have turned a gross weakness into a real strength. Uh, if you've got Michael Thomas, who's a potential All-Pro, Jarvis Landry, a, as you mentioned, a perennial Pro Bowler who set some rookie records and has been really productive when healthy, everywhere he's gone. And then a first-round pick in Chris Olave. Plus, you now bump Marquez Callaway way down the line and Deontay Hardy way down the line, and those guys can fill their roles. You would have a, a an excellent receiver room if you did that. Um, my question for Jarvis is, do you want to come maybe be the third option? I mean, that's is that what you want to do? And I'm not saying that I know that Chris Olave is better than Jarvis Landry and that Jarvis would fit behind him, but it's possible. And so if I'm looking at this from Jarvis's perspective and I'm saying, okay, might be the third option and my quarterback's Jameis Winston and they don't have Sean Payton anymore, how attractive is that? And I think that you could ask some real questions about that as opposed to going to a place that maybe has a legit one but is looking for somebody to work the slot and maybe has a quarterback that you're more comfortable with. I mean, I don't know exactly what that is, but Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to look at this entire thing and I'm looking at it from Jarvis' perspective. Yeah, it's from home and far from home and I can, you know, that's great. But is it the best spot for me professionally? I have my doubts. 
Yeah, I mean, I think for Jarvis, yeah, if you're talking about for him particularly to have the best receiver season, yeah, you want to go to a situation obviously with a more proven quarterback and obviously a more successful quarterback and probably a quarterback that's not coming off a major knee uh, surgery. So I think for Jarvis, yes, if you're kind of looking at it from that route. But I think at this situation with the receiver market and really what's out there in the draft already going by, um, opportunities aren't going to be, you know, uh, you know, everywhere you turn your shoulder. I think you got to look at see kind of what's there and kind of what's you know being offered and what's out there. And I think if to me if the Saints are a team that's offering and giving you an opportunity to play, um, if I'm Jarvis, I wouldn't rule that out. I think Tyron basically said, "Look, uh, I'm going home. That's it. It's the only visit he took. Um, just make the money work, and we we have a deal." Do you think Jarvis is wired like that, where he's made some cash, um, obviously? Would he prioritize coming here to play for the Saints as opposed to finding just the biggest payday? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think I'm not, I haven't talked to Jarvis exactly about that, but from what I've known from him, um, I, I think if the situation makes him and his ha- family happy, I think that's the direction he's got to go in. Rather, you know, if the money is there, great. But if not, then the situation is probably going to work best for me and my family. I'll take that. But I'm not exactly sure. But I, I'd probably say he'd go to the best situation. I don't know, Jarvis. Uh, I loved interviewing him when I covered the team. He was always gave great answers and um, always just played so hard and was such a great, um, you know, backbone of a team. And I just wonder if he doesn't want to find someone that he knows has a great chance to win. You were in Miami, go up to Cleveland. You think you've kind of put this team. I mean, Cleveland on paper looked pretty good over the last couple of years, and it just <laughs> never worked out, yeah. which is not surprising because it's you know, Cleveland. Um, but maybe you look around. I mean, the Saints, do, do you feel like that's a team that's going to have a real chance to win this coming year? I mean, I could hear the argument. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily agree with it, but I could hear yeah. it. I've just, I'm yeah. looking elsewhere, maybe trying to find a <laughs> spot where I'm almost a shoe in for the playoffs. I mean, that's to me, that's why I love the NFL, the parody of it all. I mean, yeah. there's always a couple teams a season that you think are probably a couple moves away or a couple years away, and they make that charge to the Super Bowl throughout the playoffs. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of the Jaguars with Bortles, that quarterback. They yep. made it to AFC. Mark Sanchez made it to a couple of AFC championship games. I mean, you just want to be playing the right brand of football with a, with, with a good team around you. And I think for the Saints, they do have a good team. They do have talented pieces, and they, they're probably a few pieces away for people to be saying favorites and Super Bowl champs. But to me, they're talented enough to get hot and, and make a run. I can just imagine Odell on the phone like, dude. <laughs> You can get out of Cleveland and like you can win some stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I just I can see that kind of conversation. Like, man, we tried it there. It's just this is not going to work there. Find find another slant. Find another place to to go make it work. And so um, was Jarvis as good as a teammate, as hard a worker as as it looked like from the outside. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I think, you know, that started, you know, from his first days on, on campus. And I, I remember him and Odell sneaking into the building long after hours. And, you know, you know, I'm talking 12, you know, one at night, you know, going in there to catch balls, you know, when, you know, everyone's sleeping. And uh, just seeing that transfer over to, you know, just his, you know, day-to-day, you know, life in that building of going through workouts, going through meetings, going through, you know, getting that extra rehab and taking care of your body. Like, you know, we're talking an 18-year-old at this time. And so to see that, you know, for him to go on to be a five-time pro bowler and continue to have the success he's had, it's no shocker to me because um, the guy he is in that locker room and outside of it, um, he's been doing that for a very long time. My favorite um, Jarvis Landry story is uh, we used to go out to practice, and quite honestly, as I've said many times, going out to practice for 20 minutes 
doesn't give you a ton of information. And I don't. I try not to oversell things that we see. If you, if you go out there and you're like, they can't keep this guy off the field, or like, oh, it's like, it's 20 minutes. They're running around cones. They're running through bags. They're they're, pop, they're popping sleds. Like it's just not a ton you can draw from it other than, oh, that guy's hurt. He can't practice or whatever. But one of the things I noticed when I was out there in 2011, Jordan Jefferson and Jarrett Lee were the first group running through with the quarterbacks. They had Reuben Randall and they had Cajun Boone and James Wright. And um, you, know, you had Odell and you had Jarvis. And there, there were a number of receivers out there. And I remember watching Jarvis, and it seemed like he always went with Mettenberger. And I so I paid attention the next day, and then I saw him change spots in the line one day. And I went, <laughs> he's doing that on purpose. So we got to interview him. He was a freshman that year, so we didn't get to interview freshmen. That was a less rule. But the next year, in spring, I went up to Jarvis and said, you always went with Mettenberger. Did you do that, did you do that on purpose? He was like, I mean, I didn't play that much last year. I knew I was going to be playing a lot this year, and Matt was going to be our quarterback, so like, I wanted to go with Matt. I was like, that is making good use of practice time. I don't know if it's what the coaches want you to do, because maybe yeah. you could help if you got some reps with uh, Jefferson and Lee who were the starting quarterbacks and the ones who played, but that's that was it was wise. I, I yeah. And I noticed it, and he laughed when I asked him the question. He was like, yeah, I did do that. <laughs> yeah, no, look, that's the inside, man. Jarvis is a... Probably one of the more smart players that I that I play with, man. He he knows the game like a quarterback in and out. That's why he's such a great leader out there. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. Know you know why he's supposed to be doing it. And you know, seeing him and Matt, you know, have some of the bigger, you know, craziest catches I've seen in LSU history. The one both Arkansas games, you, yep. you line both of those up to me that you can put those against any other catches in LSU history. Um, and, and that's what you know the the rapport that those two had just from working so much, you know, day in and day out, long before we ever start playing games. So the two you're talking about, the first one. If you put on the tape up in Fayetteville, which was the first time LSU had been to Fayetteville in a long time, they always played that game in Little Rock, and he makes that one-handed catch in the back of the end zone before the half. And that what it was a great catch, but what you don't see in the video is that it's freezing cold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really cold up there in for us to go up there in Fayetteville, and he makes that one-handed catch. The other one you're talking about was the next year in Tiger Stadium. It was one where Matt tore his ACL, and he ripped it down the middle and Jarvis climbed over the back of an Arkansas defender and basically caught it through the Arkansas defender on the throw where Matt tears his ACL before Anthony Jennings has to come in the game. Yeah, two of the best catches I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, man. And, look, I was on the field for one of those, and the other one I was on the sideline for, and I don't know which one that got me out of my seat more because <laughs> I was just not expecting to see anything like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy because you see him and Odell do that every single day in practice. They're doing some sort of ridiculous one-hand catch. But, you know, you see them pull it out on game day like that, man. It's definitely remarkable. You never forget stuff like that. So we'll see. Jarvis Landry, black and gold. Is it a possibility? I don't know that it makes a ton of sense for Jarvis. I think the Saints would be wise to do that, turn your wide receiver room into a real strength, and then all of a sudden you'd have an offense that's got some really, really potent weapons um, around Jameis Winston and try to make things as easy as you possibly can for him. So we'll keep you posted as that thing moves forward. But the report is on Twitter that the Browns and Jarvis will not be reuniting. He will be looking elsewhere, and the Saints are thought to be right in the mix with all that. So we'll see over the next couple of weeks. Take a time out. Come back with more. It's Hunt and Hill. Hunt Palmer. Jeremy Hill. Hunt and Hill. Reliable Roofing and Construction. You can find them at ReliableRoofingBR.com.
Yeah, guys, so happy to tell you about Reliable Roofing, a family-run, owned, and operated residential roofing company. They have been in business since 2008 with over 30 years of roofing experience. And they are from here. They will be here. And they want to be your roofing and construction company. Every job that Reliable Roofing and Construction carries out has a five-year labor warranty guaranteed. Talk about warranties all the time with a lot of our our great partners here at Reliable Roofing has an awesome one, as good as you'll find in this market at five years. And if they come out and perform work on your roof, Lionel, the owner, is going to visit that site and sign off on it. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's just the way he does business here in the Baton Rouge area. Check out ReliableRoofingBR.com. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see right now, they got all a lot of their work is right there in the pictures on these homes. They're residential roofing and construction company, and they have been here in Baton Rouge since 2008. The entire family has been right here in Baton Rouge their entire lives. They want to serve this community. If you're looking to get your roof looked at and perhaps fixed before storm season cranks up, check out Reliable Roofing. You can find them at ReliableRoofingBR.com. ESPN Baton Rouge. Let's get a little update here uh, from Dave Johnson, uh, Leah Van from the Advocate at Elvan underscore Sports on Twitter covers the Tigers for the Advocate. Um, was meeting, he, she was part of the press that Jay Johnson was meeting with early today. And so here are your notes on Jacob Berry. Um, he was able to play with the hurt finger on Friday. That's when he got two hits. He does have flexion in it, meaning he can bend at the joints with his with his finger. It's just going to be a pain tolerance issue. So, look, the insinuation here is he does have a, a tiny little hairline fracture here. He, it, he was fielding a ground ball. It hit his finger, and it hasn't hindered his range of motion. It's just how much pain can you deal with? You said you had something similar to this. Is it realistic to think that in four weeks when LSU plays a regional that his finger will feel almost back to normal? Yeah, I think it's reasonable. I mean, I think if he can put We're not it doctors here. I'm just yeah, throwing yeah, stuff yeah, against the yeah, wall. Yeah, of course. I think that's reasonable. I think anytime obviously he played in a game with the injury we're talking about now and if they're saying it's not a, you know, a, a timetable thing, it's more of a pain tolerance thing, then yeah, I could see, you know, four weeks of rehabbing and icing it and doing everything they're gonna be doing to it. Um, it should be feeling a lot better, especially if it's not something that's structural where you're like, okay, he's out for two months or he's out for three months or or he needs surgery. I think since all those things are out of the picture, I think it's a lot better news. And when I first heard he was missing the game, I didn't see him out there. 
Look, I went kind of heavy on this in the second segment of the show, saying there's just a lot of things going on with this baseball team right now that I'm not very comfortable with, and this was one of the big ones. Is just how how hurt is one of your best hitters and one of your best run producers and maybe the most powerful bat in your lineup. And you know, the indication is it's not the worst thing in the world. They're just going to have to kind of deal with it and monitor it. I don't know how much pain tolerance work they can do on it as far as injections or pain meds or whatever. It's just make it feel a little bit better. But you do have you do have four weeks basically until the regional. You've got this week and then Ole Miss, and you've got another week and then Vanderbilt, and then you've got another week in the conference tournament, and then you've got another week and then you play on that Friday in a regional. So four weeks, basically, from Friday is what you have to get that feeling a little bit better. Hopefully, uh, that is the case. Blake Money was also someone that they talked about um, today with Jay Johnson. He might pitch a little tomorrow night against Southeastern. I would have thrown him a little bit um, in the game last Tuesday. They did not. He didn't get an out. He faced four guys on Saturday, walked two, gave up two hits. At this point, you might as well try to get him out there in a lower stress spot. Um, maybe you know, tell him, "Hey, you've got the sixth inning tonight, or you've got the third inning tonight, or you've got the first inning tonight." I just want you to let it rip. We'll throw some fastballs, maybe spin a breaking ball or two, see if you can get through an inning unscathed, and maybe get a little bit of confidence. Because at this point, money, you know, the stuff has not been very good. The fastball velocity's down a little bit, and he's leaving everything up. I don't know how much that has to do with the wrist injury, how much that's just failing to execute. But there's got to be a mental component to this as well, where you just you haven't seen really anything go right in over a month. That's just got to weigh on somebody. Yeah, it's tough. I think anytime you see a guy, you know, playing the way he has, especially as of late, um, it, it's definitely tough on you. But, you know, I think for Coach Johnson and Coach Kelly, they're going to find another avenue for him to try to have success for this team because, you know, we saw how, you know, excited and how pumped up he was, especially to start the year when he had that success. We just haven't seen that version of him in, a, in, a, in a, quite some time now. So I think for them kind of changing course here a little bit, um, you know, maybe do you give him some midweek spot? Maybe that may give him a little more confidence. Maybe, you know, you bring him out of the bullpen. But I think right now, as, you know, the second-day starter, I, I, I don't think that's probably the best uh, role start for Blake right now. Who would you start in the two-hole? Would you move Dutton up and move somebody to the, the third spot? Or mm-hmm. kind of what, what are your thoughts on I kinda, that? I kind of like Dutton in that Sunday role. To me, I don't know. I I, I kind of would love to see Hasty there, but I yeah. don't know. how that, Maybe that's getting a little too greedy there, but – yeah, to me, I want to see. Yeah, let Hasty see if he can give you four innings and see how that goes. Because he's been to me, he's been pitching extremely well. Hasty pitched four innings on Sunday. Um, he you know threw forty eight pitches, got stretched out a little bit. That's a possibility. I would throw Bryce Collins. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't seen Bryce Collins be a super high leverage guy late in games, like somebody you would want to hold or make sure that you still had. You've got Razelman that you do that with. You got Gervais. You got Cooper. Um, Hasty's now become one of those guys. I think you kind of toss Bryce Collins in with Ty Floyd. It's guys who you know can throw 40, 50, 60, 70 pitches, um, but not necessarily you've got to have that guy in the eighth with a, a one-run lead. He's got to come into the game. So I think those two are realistic options, and then all of a sudden you move money back to like some kind of um, – yeah, lower leverage spot on the weekend. I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts on Collins? Yeah, I like Collins too. I think to me, he's been one of the more you know consistent guys all season long, especially with one of the more lower ERAs on the team. So yeah, uh, that's a guy that I think could come in that spot. Um, I think Dutton to me still Sunday, maybe Hasty. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys that are. I mean, it's, it's tough, Ty man. Floyd, it's, I mean, yeah, it's... maybe no, I don't think they're going to go back to tie at yeah. this point. So. Yeah, it's really not many guys that you're thinking, you know, that they trust, you know, past 30 pitches, you know, that are going to get stretched past that. So 
we'll see how they kind of do it. I think that's, you know, that's why we have Coach Kelly on. It is. Uh, <laughs> we will have him on on Wednesday at 1230. Uh, Leah also said uh, no update on Alex Malazzo to this point. But the good news is you've got Tyler McManus, who really has been um, a, a breath of fresh air for this team offensively over the last two weeks. Um, he, had, uh, he was one for four. Uh, back on Friday, uh, hit a hit a home run in that game, and then you fast forward to Sunday's game, um, and he comes into the game and he goes two for five, drove in four runs on Sunday, um, had two home runs, up to seven now on the season, and that's a guy that I think uh, is going to be a pretty key piece to the rest of this thing. I just I don't know when they can expect Milazzo back, but right now McManus is swinging the bat really really well, and you take the defensive struggles when they come, but the offensive performance has been great. Yeah, I mean, to think, you know, McManus would be up to seven home runs at this point in the season, I just didn't see it. I thought, you know, obviously Milazzo would be behind the plate handling business. But, uh, I mean, you got a guy swinging the bat well, man. Pitchers are throwing stuff over the plate, and he's hitting it really, really hard and really, really far. So, um, if he's giving you that type of production, I think you can kind of, you know, take take the you know, the lumps with the, some of the stuff you're going to see from behind the plate, obviously stopping pitches and, you know, keeping, you know, runners, you know, not running. But uh, I think what he's done behind the plate has been extremely, extremely good for this team. So that's your update uh, from Jay Johnson. Jacob Berry able to play Friday with the hurt finger, has flexion in it, going to be mostly pain tolerance. Blake Money might pitch a little in Tuesday night's game, and no update on Alex Malazzo. We'll take a timeout. We'll play some take it or leave it. We'll get your Citizens Bank poll question of the day. All that coming up to finish out Hunt and Hill. This is Hunt and Hill on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat, same-game parlay each week. You'll get up to $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel has so many ways to play, and best of all, when you win, you'll get paid faster than a fast break. Got awesome odd boost on uh, FanDuel as well for tonight's Boston-Milwaukee game. Uh, you've got a super odds boost if Tatum Jalen Brown and Al forward Al Horford all make two threes against the Bucks. You get plus one eighty odds. They were plus one fifteen, but they have boosted those same game parlays are there as well. Milwaukee a one point favorite. I would lay that point in Milwaukee and collect cash very quickly thereafter. Either way, you get up to twenty dollars in free bets if your same game parlay during the playoffs doesn't win. Use the promo code. 104.5 ESPN. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 and present in Louisiana. Refund issues and non-withdrawable free bet that expires seven days after receipt. Max free bet, $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one 877 stop This is Hunt and Hill on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Did you watch the Derby? No, I did not. I heard there was a, <laughs> a, a huge underdog. Long man. I knew shot. That. I knew that much at least. <laughs> Rich Strike. <laughs> it was from 80 to 1. It was. I mean, I don't know squat about horse racing, like not a thing. But I understand what a race is. And if you watch the, the actual, like, the drone shot or whatever it is from above... He comes from, like, nowhere and just starts weaving between these horses and takes it down. Favorites were right, finished second and third. 
which has got to have a bunch of people ripping up tickets pretty quickly because you imagine a lot of people had some cash. On I mean, if, look, if I was going to the Kentucky Derby and I was going to bet, I'd probably be dumping money on the favorite, to be honest, because I don't know anything about horses. And I just if you, if you label a horse 80 to 1, I'm probably not going to bet on that horse. But uh, there's a good story uh, I was watching. Um, it was a bar, yeah, barstool uh, guy, and they were videoing, and somebody was like, you had him? I was like, yeah, I went to the window and, like, Said everybody, nobody's betting on this horse, and I was like, "Well, I'll take him." And just threw a couple of bucks at it, and boom, eighty to one, bang! That's a good winner for you right there. But uh, the only thing that bums me out about the eighty to one shot winning the Kentucky Derby—not that I really care who the winner is—but I do like the thought of a triple ground threat. And if this horse is eighty to one, and people don't think it's that great a horse, like it's probably not going to win the triple crown, right? No. So not, that's likely, the bum. Not likely. Yeah. No, that's one. I mean, I think for me, of course, we love triple crowns in all sports. Yeah. Cooper Cup just got yeah. one in NFL. I remember my boy Miggy got one in baseball. Yeah. Doesn't happen often, man. So anytime you get a chance to make a run in triple so crown, so when American Pharaoh won the triple crown, this brings it locally. Um, I'll always remember what year it was and where I was. Um, it was 2015. Because it was LSU baseball super regional game one against Louisiana Lafayette. That was the team that had Alex Lang as a freshman on it, and um, they were really really good. Bregman was on that team, and um, it was Laird, Stevenson, Shania, just a really really good team. And they got to the super. But I was at walk-ons watching the Belmont to see if he could win the triple crown before we went over. To, uh, to 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 watch LSU ULL in the Super, and as this horse turns the backstretch, and the horse is winning, and everybody's like going crazy, like go oh, come on, come on!" And he wins the Triple Crown, and then of course, because what else do we do? Because we're all morons. Everyone just starts chanting LSU, uh, like in walk-ons after a horse won the Triple Crown. That's an intelligent thing. That's oh, I always remember American Pharaoh was 2015 because I know that was the 2015 Super, and that was where I was when I watched it. So. Likely that we will not have a triple crown winner if this 80 to 1 horse is going to win the Kentucky Derby. So let's do a capital, uh, no, uh, Citizens Bank and Trust poll question of the day. Asked you, speaking of super regionals and regionals, what would make this LSU baseball season a success? Your options were hosting a regional, winning a regional, getting to Omaha, and a national championship. One of these fascinates me. Um, so the winner here is if LSU got to Omaha, it would be a successful season. That is 53% of the vote. Second place, winning a regional, so getting to a super is second place. That got 37%. Just hosting a regional would be a successful season for 10%. Not a single vote for national championship. <laughs> that shocks me around here. Yeah, I mean, I, I just see, I think, for obviously, first year with Coach Johnson, I, I don't think those expectations, I don't think anyone – is thinking, oh, yeah, we're winning it all right now this season with Coach Johnson first year. So I think, yeah, people will be happy, you know, first year, new new manager, you know, just making a little run to the regional and kind of gearing up, you know, for the future. But, yeah, that is shocking that, you know, no one is saying that, but I could see why. Citizens Bank poll question of the day every single day here on Hunt and Hill. All right, let's do some take it or leave it. I'll crank it up first. The Lakers are reportedly interviewing Mark Jackson for their vacant head coaching position. Take it or leave it? I'll take it. Uh, I think, you know, he's a proven coach in the NBA. Um, We've seen what he kind of, the genesis of the Golden State Warriors and kind of what they did with that whole thing. And I think for me, um, a coach that's got to get respected by the players. I think every player, you know, especially watching, you know, you know, any NBA games on Sundays, you've heard Mark Jackson on the call. And so they just, you know, a lot of these players have a ton of respect for him and what he's done for the game. And so, 
I think he's been long overdue for a head coaching job. And to me, if LeBron respects him, I think we, we go as LeBron go and LeBron signs off on it, then yeah, I think my Lakers could definitely uh, use a guy like LeBron Mark will be signing off on it because he's run every organization he's been a part of for 15 years now. So you can guarantee that. All right. John Middlecoff of the Three and Out podcast thinks the match between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Brady and Rodgers will be an absolute disaster, which will be the event's first time without a professional golfer. The match will be a disaster. Take it or leave it. I'll leave it. Look, they can make these golf courses easy. They can move them up. I mean, they can make the golf course easy. Now, you can't. I mean, if a guy's going to duff a chip or three-putt or whatever, like, but that that's not – we're not tuned in to see professional golf. We're not tuned in to see John Rahm or, or Tiger. We're tuned in to see some quarterbacks play golf like we play golf on the weekends, and that's just part of it. If they can – create a little bit of buzz and have a little trash talk and hit a couple of good shots. I mean, you know, we're watching the match the first time and like Brady holes one, <laughs> but like that, that kind of stuff is, is crazy. But, um, you know, I think it'll be just fine. If you're tuning in to see awesome golf or the most compelling thing you've ever watched, you're probably watching for the wrong reason. It's good to you know sit back with friends or have a cocktail and watch these guys hack it up and see if, see who wins, see a little trash talk. I don't think it'll be a disaster. I think it'll be just fine. After missing the playoffs for the 16th season in a row, the Sacramento Kings are going to hire current Warriors assistant Mike Brown to be their next head coach. Mike Brown going to end the drought. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave that. I mean, the Kings, I, I talk about, you know, just a terribly run organization and, and just that, that's just as bad, man. They let Vlade Divac Take over the take over the reins, and they just it hasn't been the same since. And it's crazy for me, my Genesis days of my Laker fandom. It, I just remember battles, yeah. you know, in the Western Chris Conference Finals. Like Bibby, yeah, yeah. We had some battles with the Kings, and to see them just kind of be what they've been in the NBA now, just it's just not good, man. It's just a laughing stock, and just no competitiveness, and they just can't get over the hump. And I don't see a superstar ever wanting to go to Sacramento, nope. so I really don't see them changing it anytime soon. So as unfortunate as it may be. Kings, no pulse, man. I just don't see them getting one. A couple things here. Not going to the NBA playoffs in 16 seasons is a total embarrassment. Half the league's in the playoffs. Just win a couple games. You don't even have to get 500. Just win sometimes. Win once a week. You're in the playoffs. So that's pathetic that they've never made playoffs in 16 years, too. I realize we just talked about Mark Jackson and kind of threw it in there, but, like, Mike Brown is the ultimate retread. And I heard Matt Moscone give a kind of a rundown. I mean, this is pretty obvious. Looking around the playoffs, it's like Nick Nurse, first-time head coach. Eric Spolstra, first-time head coach. Uh, obviously, Willie Green, first-time head coach here. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, Monty Williams had his chance, and Pop was in, and he's been around. But, like, more often than not, like, go go find the new guy who's got mm-hmm. something figured out, not the guy who's already proven he can't win. Like, this guy, you know that, that Mike Brown is not going to win. That, that, just, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> all right. Chris Woodward, he was <laughs> not happy with Glaber Torres after his walk-off homer against the Rangers, stating that the only reason he homered because Yankee Stadium is a Little League ballpark. Yankee Stadium, a Little League <laughs> ballpark. Take it or leave it. Okay. Two different things. It is kind of a Little League ballpark. I will take that. Um, but we know that when we get when we show up. We know that there's a short porch in right field, and the wind blows out there, and that there are a lot of short home runs in right field. So you know that when you show up, two, that home run would have been a home run in 20 of the 32 parks. They showed 20 of the 30 parks. They showed uh, the StatCast data on it. So, you know, it's a little bit of whiny, a little bit of sour grapes, <laughs> but you, you knew when you showed up in New York that you got to hit towards the short porch, and they do. And just because Glaber, who, you know, is a former Cub, farmhand, <laughs> 
Uh, if, he, if if somebody's going to hit the ball to right field, like that's probably going to be a home run. I mean, what are you, you're a Yankee guy. What's your take? Look, I, I found so much laughter in this, man. It's fun. <laughs> the people just get so upset. Like, dude, y'all get the hit. And it's like the people who complain about weather. Like, it's so cold. Like, they have to play in it, too. It's like, y'all get an opportunity. The same amount of outs we got to get. Y'all got to get the same amount of outs. I don't get why people make a big deal about it, but hey, look, we're, we're playing well right now. My boy Cortez got a no-no going right now. We, we're doing good. Let's go, Yanks. So much for that. You got a no-not to jinx it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably a bad oh, idea, but hey, God. it's coming, man. We're well, still, we'll look, we got back. two minutes on air. We got to get yeah, the we'll, no-no we'll see, how, we'll see how that goes. You were talking about weather, though. That, that, that triggers me a little bit because I do realize that everybody plays in the same weather, but like, that LSU-Louisiana Tech baseball game early from this <laughs> season, like, if you're going to – now, it – turned out to be true and LSU's defense is a disaster but like I'm just not going to hold it against guys for making some bad throws and poor you know having poor hands when it's 34 out and kind of raining that's what the deal was in Russell like the whole deal with the weather like it's not a great decider for who wins or loses the game but it's trying to make sweeping judgments and ridiculous gold I even think the same thing about football when like LSU has to go to Arkansas maybe Knoxville if, if it's free like it's just we're not used to it. It's it sucks playing the cold. Like it it, yeah. it is a factor. No, I totally get that angle, but to me, it it's gets to the point where if you're making an excuse after the fact, like, oh yeah, La Tech, man, they only won yeah. because they're yeah, used to playing sure. on the turf and we haven't really practiced on no, no, no. We can't go that far. No, we knew it was a factor, but no excuses, man. You just gotta take your lumps. You gotta take your lumps. Have you been to the new Yankee Stadium? No, I've not been to the new one. I gotta I gotta get to the new one, man. I gotta get I gotta check it out and see what it's like in the in the new ball. I just don't know when that's ever gonna happen for me. Uh I mean I go to New York every once in a while, so maybe that's and I got a better chance of doing that than going to like the Kansas City, like to go see the Royals. Like <laughs> yeah, I don't see, no. I, I'm never gonna gonna end up there. But like New York, I, I show up in every once in a while to see. Uh, the Cubs don't play there every very much, and the Cubs have such a huge fan base. When they go, tickets are just through the roof. Um, speaking of t- Cubs and tickets, this will be the last thing we talk about today. The Cubs are so bad; it is disgusting how terrible the Cubs are this year. And I think it might be end up a good thing because we might get a good draft pick. And I'm going in August, and if they've sold all their players and they're in last. Uh, tickets will probably be cheaper, so I'll probably get a good seat when I go in August. They're so bad. It's all the ownership's fault. I'm very, very put out with the Ricketts family. We're not going to talk about that anymore. We'll talk about what we talked about today, which was a fun, fast-moving Monday show. We opened the first 30 minutes talking LSU baseball over the weekend, and I kind of gave my 30,000-foot view that I'm not loving where this thing is trending with LSU this season, but you can go back and check it out in our number one. Talked about NIL and whether it's going to keep guys around instead of sitting out for the NFL payday. Uh, hour number two, got an NBA update, and also talk Jarvis to the Saints. So, fun Monday. We'll be back Tuesday. Going to try to run Chris Burke down, and we'll get you ready for LSU in Southeastern as well. Matt Miscone will drive you home this afternoon from 3 to 6 on After Further Review. Jimmy Ott's game time, 6 to 8, talking ponies, I'm sure. Mario and Musso coming up with your early line. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back on Tuesday. It's Hunt Hill. This is Hunt and Hill on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.